0: It's time for the powermazoo.com podcast. With interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the powermazoo.com podcast. Big week because it is Mitchell Forty's debut on the podcast. What's up, Mitchell? Hey, Gabe.
1: Happy there he, to uh, be on board.
0: Yeah, there you go. So we'll see how it goes. This may be his last one. He may hate it. But uh, at least for now, um, we plan to be here every Thursday with you and – sometimes we even talk to people on the phone and that's what we're doing this week. Saturday against Mississippi State, Mizzou's Rally for Ryan game to uh, raise money for pediatric cancer research. Obviously, uh, Ryan Luce, the center of that, and we're talking to now Brad Luce, former Mizzou basketball assistant and current TSF. Brad, I should know this. Just tell people your title. It's easier than me trying to figure it out.
2: Gabe, I'm not even sure I know my title. Uh,
0: It's director
2: of something director of uh, begging for money
0: okay i was gonna say if whatever your title is just put director of in front of it and it automatically yeah. sounds really important <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> it can be <laughs> deceiving
0: yeah yeah i'm, I'm like uh, i'm gonna call myself the director of this podcast for for a little bit so uh, uh yeah.
2: speaking of the podcast for i didn't realize that this was such a monumental podcast mitchell's you know opening day start That's... whatever you want to call it this is big it's, I can't screw this one up. Yeah, I I'm nervous I,
1: now. I'm I'm the one who's uh, more worried about screwing up, so I appreciate that uh, that you'll get to do some talking, so I won't have to do as much. <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll call it an audition podcast. But I've, <laughs>
1: audition. I've had far worse
0: people than him on it, so I, I think, and we've made it like 200 and some. The bar, odd episodes. the
2: bar is low, especially when you bring me on. We've set the bar pretty low for Mitchell, so if you can't get over it, Mitchell, you got problems.
0: <laughs> All right, so Brad, uh, obviously rally for Ryan on Saturday. Just. uh you know, this This started, I think, just kind of a one-time thing. We weren't sure. And now, is this the third or the fourth year that, that you guys will do it?
2: This is our third year. And, yeah, you know, we we kind of threw it out there, didn't know how it would go the first year, and, and uh, you know, raised $50,000. And then we came back and, like, you know, let's give this a shot again. I didn't think there was any way we could top the first year. And I'll be darned, we raised $54,000. And so – uh you know really lucky that that Jim Stirk and Brian White are allowing us to do this again uh you know means the world to me and my family and uh you know it's just it really it 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 really excites us the way that uh, the people of Missouri have embraced this cause and so i got no reason to believe we won't do bigger and better this year
0: yeah and and the most important thing before we get into talking about that a little bit more is uh, just let everybody know how Ryan's doing
2: yeah so Ryan's doing great uh you know, we uh, we had a scare last year in, in November. She relapsed with a brain tumor, had surgery, went through the whole process again of chemo and radiation and immunotherapy again, and uh, she's doing great. She's no evidence of disease right now. Uh, you know, she's going to school, and, and outside of the fact that she's still... You know, trying to grow her hair back. Uh, other than that, you'd never know anything was wrong with her. I mean, she's just uh, just your typical seven-year-old little girl that goes to, to cheerleading practice and gymnastics, and so very, very blessed.
1: Brad, uh, you know, I know when uh, Ryan had the disease. Uh, you know, part of the money went towards uh, paying for her treatment. Now that uh, you know she is uh, recovering, uh, where exactly is uh, all the money that'll be raised on Saturday going?
2: Mitchell, great question. Your first question is a home run. I like. <laughs> it. You're off to a good start. Thank you. It's no, only going to get so worse. The, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, it, the money goes towards a great cause, and yet you, you are correct. So initially, when when Ryan got diagnosed, I mean, people just started. Uh, a friend of ours set up a, a a GoFundMe account, and people and people just started sending money in, wanting to help us with medical expenses, and so. Uh, that was the first initial fund, and of that, uh, you know, said let's let's take ten thousand of this. It, it all started with the idea: let's take ten thousand dollars and donate donate it towards pediatric cancer research. And that ten thousand has grown into four hundred thousand, and so uh, that says a lot about the people in the state of Missouri. First off, but what we do is we take the money and we try to do it in a hundred thousand dollar clumps. And then we'll, once we get a hundred thousand dollars at a time, then we'll donate that towards a uh, pediatric cancer research trial and uh, you know we've, we've done a trial at Sloan Kettering where Ryan's been uh, been treated we did another trial at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia which is doing some great work there uh, they're they're definitely on the cutting edge of especially neuroblastoma uh, Ryan's type of cancer and then the the third trial we, we've got money set aside now we've got a hundred thousand dollars that we want to donate towards a third trial I'm in the process of Meeting with different organizations and doing our research and trying to make sure that we we find a trial that uh, gets the biggest bang for our buck and so we're really close to finalizing that and, and hopefully have that done here in the next month. And so, the money that we raise on Saturday will put towards a fourth trial, which uh, you know hopefully we can make sometime. You know that make that donation sometime and uh, towards the end of summer would be our goal.
0: Hey, I know, Brad, what you guys have gone through and and I've heard you and your wife say this too. I mean, obviously. Hey- nobody should have to go through what your family's gone through. And and now that you said Ryan is, is doing well and, and kind of recovering. I mean, I know you had the scare last year. Is this something that like, do you ever reach a point where you're like, she's fine? Or is this just something you kind of live with all the time now? And, and you never, never really know what's around the corner.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. It, it that, yeah, you, you are as good as your next scam. Um, and that's the way we live. and, you know you drive yourself crazy because you know because she has relapsed and so many kids do relapse uh, you live in a constant state of fear and that that's no way to live and so what we've really tried to do as a family is just try to be in the moment and i know that that's semi coach speak you know mm. kind of cliche but it's very true if you got to live in a moment in the moment and appreciate today for what it is and, uh, you know, that really that's what we've tried to do. And, uh, you know, it's definitely helped us in the process, of, you know, making it day-to-day. But speaking of which, we do go back uh, on Monday um, for another round of scans. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I have no reason to think that, you know, the scans won't be great because uh, the way she looks and the way she feels is excellent right now. But, yeah, you know, we, uh, we definitely live day-to-day without a doubt.
1: Well, yeah, definitely hoping for the best at that scan. Um, I know last year, um, aside from the actual game, there was the kind of the gala brunch and the fashion show. Um, is there anything planned for this week uh, outside of just the, uh, the game itself?
2: No. Uh, th- this year we're just going to do the stuff at the game. Uh, we do have some other stuff uh, that we're going to do in, later in the spring, some other events that we've got uh, that we're working on right now. Uh, But for today, we just wanted to focus on the game and and keep it at that.
0: Talking with Brad Luce. And, and Brad, I wanted to get into a little bit, obviously, you know, the last last couple years for this game, you were on the bench, an assistant coach. And I I know coaches, like, you coach. That's what you do. So when Mm -hmm. when obviously Mizzou and, and Coach Anderson parted ways after last year, I mean, what was your process? I mean, did you consider wanting to coach, or was it more important for your family to stay in Columbia? You know, kind of what was your, your thought process in that?
2: Well, at that point, uh, to be honest with you, Ryan still wasn't doing real well. And uh, the idea of leaving Columbia wasn't even an option, to be honest with you, at that point. Uh, we, we've got a great working relationship. Ryan does a lot of stuff when she was home uh, at Women's and Children's Hospital, and we've really set up a good situation between Women's and Children's and Sloan Kettering in New York, where she does the bulk of her of her treatments, and so, you know, uh, that was most important to us was making sure that we we kept her in the same environment, you know, treatment wise, and then you know our other kids too it was really important for us that uh, you know we didn't need to uh, you know uproot them at that moment and move them around, and so we were going to stay in Columbia one way or another, and uh, just lucky enough that uh, Jim Stark and Brian White allowed us you know allowed me to to stay on staff here and uh you know they found a home for me and and hopefully it's i, th- I think i've done a good job I, you have to ask them but uh you know i think it's been a great fit and, and hopefully it's been as productive for them as it has been for our family
1: i'm sure you know being around here you've still got to uh watch the team a good bit i know you uh made a cameo or two uh, on the radio broadcast um <laughs> just kind of how impressed with have you been with uh the guys who you coached who have kind of come back on this team uh you know, specifically Jordan Barnett, Kevin Purrier, Jordan Geist, and just kind yeah. of how they've grown and what they've been able to do.
2: Well, you know, the thing that people didn't see last year, I, you know, every, obviously everybody saw the end product and the record and it wasn't great. And, but what people didn't see was the day-to-day work that those guys put in. Um, I, I, You know, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but I enjoyed the heck out of last year in terms of basketball because – that, that team was really fun to work with because they showed up every single day they worked hard every single day and I think you're seeing uh, the fruits of that labor now I think uh, you know Kevin Perrier, Jordan guys, Jordan Barnett, uh, Reed Nico I think those guys have grown because of what happened last year and uh, you know I, I really couldn't be happier for those guys because they deserve success and um, you know after going through all that they went through last year and the year before, you know this group of guys deserves it, and uh, you know I really think highly of them—not just as basketball players, but as people as well.
0: It, this might be a little bit of a personal question, but you've been pretty open with us about everything over the last three years, so I, I think you'll probably answer it. I mean, it would be easy, probably, in I, you know when when coaches get fired, it's it's pretty easy to to have some bitterness and all that. But being so close to it still, and I, I mean, seeing Coach Martin—is it is it is there any? part of it that's that's hard to watch or is it is it fun for you seeing what this program now is doing yeah i'm not gonna answer it <laughs>
2: sorry no yeah uh bitter no i look it especially at this level uh you know when when you sign up for a job like this you, you know what you're signing up for and mm-hmm. and uh we i it would be stupid of me to say hey you know you can keep your job. If you don't win games, we didn't win enough games. And that, that, that's what it came down to. And that, but that's what you, you know, what you sign up for. And so uh, not bitter at all. Um, I think that the job that, that coach Anderson did for three years was remarkable. I don't think people fully understand uh, all that, that, transpired and what took place and what coach Anderson did to get this program on solid footing and so in that regards uh you know I'm really proud of the job that that coach did and that we did as a staff um but you know change for the sake of change is good sometimes and I think coach Martin has come in and taken that solid foundation now and and taking it to the next level and uh really impressed with him and his staff uh couldn't be happier for our guys and so uh you know, let's, let's face it, we win games makes my job as a director of development a heck of a lot easier. So I'm all for them, man. Go yeah. win games.
0: <laughs> yeah, people like to give money to winning teams. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's a lot easier to make calls at,
2: uh, to donors after wins than it is losses. I found that out in a
0: hurry. It, have you gotten to know Conzo relatively well? I mean, do you guys have a, have a relationship?
2: Yeah, he, he's been great. You know, we, we sat down uh, not too long after he was hired. I went up and introduced myself, and we ended up having about man, it was probably a forty-five minute conversation. And uh, I just think the the fact that you know he's dealt with cancer and he knew about my daughter's story, and uh, he's just incredibly empathetic to what we've gone through. And so, uh, you know, he, he's a great guy, and and uh, he's the type of coach that you you know, as a former, he's a coach's coach because he's old school, he's blue collar, and he he wants to do things the right way, which you know, as a basketball junkie really makes me excited. So he's, he's been fun to be around and he's been really, really good to me as a person.
1: Uh, I know, I don't know, you know, as, a, as an employee of the athletic department, like, I feel like we're required to ask this question because every single day since I've taken the job, it's been asked of me, do you have any inside information about Michael Porter Jr. and a possible return? <laughs>
2: Uh you breaking know, news uh, coming up. <laughs> I I know what Dick Vitale said on T V the other night and that's uh that's about all I do know, I'll be yeah. honest with you. No, I I don't know. I mean I've watched him go down there and shoot a little bit and uh you know, I've I've broken it down every which way just like every Mizzou fan has, but you know it's gonna be as big a surprise to me if he plays as anybody else, and so uh, you know, I sure hope he does. I think it'd be great for our fan base. I think it'd be great for this team, but uh, you know, I definitely understand that Man, Mike's got a lot riding on this yeah. and uh his future is gonna extend long past uh you know whenever he leaves Mizzou. And so um no, I, I, I couldn't tell you any more than what you probably already know. You probably know <laughs> I felt, more than me. I, felt required need to ask to ask. You, I need to ask you this question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would give you the same answer. We have absolutely <laughs> no idea. Um I I mean you said you're a basketball junkie, and I've I've joked with people like the last three or four years, I would take some grief from you know, people around Mizzou basketball and the athletic department, why do you have to keep crapping on our conference? And I said, well, because the SEC is terrible. All of a sudden, yeah. SEC basketball is really fun to watch this year.
2: Well, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I think it just shows the the investment that all the schools have made in their basketball programs. Um, you know, not only in their coaching staffs, but if you go around, almost every single school in the conference has made a huge financial uh, investment in facilities you know, which obviously plays a big part in recruiting. I mean, you look at the recruiting that some of these schools have done and the number of five, four- and five-star kids that each school's getting and the number of NBA picks now that are coming out. And uh, It's finally starting to, uh, you know, show in the win-loss record. And so ha- have you ever seen a uh, conference that has as much parity as this conference has right now? I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Every single night is a war. And, uh, you know, when you look at – Freaking the the top school, you know Auburn right now is, is playing its mind out. But even the bottom school Vanderbilt, you can't count that as a win. You know who knows if they're going to jump up and beat you. So it's a lot of fun, and I I I've uh, really enjoyed having more time on my hands. To be honest with you, to sit down and just watch uh, every Tuesday and Wednesday night the league games, and every Saturday, it's been it's been a lot of fun for me. Absolutely,
1: um, you know going back to the rally for Ryan game. I know the last few years you uh you know were coaching that game. You obviously had a lot, you know, to organize and, and give the speech at halftime. How difficult yeah. was that? Were you able to focus on the game at all? Like that's something I always wondered watching. You know, you having to coach, but also uh, organize yeah. all of that.
2: Well, first of all, I, I was lucky. Our marketing department organized all that for me. So gotcha. I, you know, I just worried about basketball, and then they handed me a mic, and I, you know, stumbled over myself for a few <laughs> minutes, and then went back into coaching. But you know, I, the one thing I've always said and uh, kind of get away from your question. But when, when I was able to step on the floor during practice and during games, that was my escape. Uh, I got to escape reality for a couple hours each day because of basketball. And so for me, it was very therapeutic and uh, uh, it helped me get, get through the, the process. And so I was pretty fortunate. And in terms of the speech itself, it probably helped me a lot because I didn't think about the speech until they hand me the microphone. So I didn't really have time to get nervous. Now this year, uh, i got nothing to think about but the speech, and so I'm, I'm going to be a huge mess at halftime. So just uh, just brace yourself and bear with me if you don't mind.
0: I think it's Jen's turn, turn to do the speech this year. Then
2: I, I tried that, and uh, she just kind of rolled her eyes and walked away. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, guys, you guys are stuck with me again.
0: Last thing for you, Brad. Obviously, people can go to the game and, and buy a ticket and, and donate there, but if they can't be in the arena, and, and I said this on Twitter, like, Seriously, if there's not fifteen thousand sixty one fans for this yeah. one, this team, this event, it's it's a shame. I think there will be, but if they can't get there, I, I know you guys tweeted out a little bit. What else can they do to to kind of support uh, your guys, not only your family, but the cause that that you've taken up?
2: Oh, Gabe, we get we got we got a hundred different ways to take your money. All right, we're gonna find <laughs> a way to get your money, but no, we we do. We've got a lot of different options. Uh, you know, at the game, we're selling T shirts. We're gonna have a fifty fifty raffle. We've got a silent auction. Um, and then if you can't be at the game or if you are at the game and just don't want to get out of your seat, you're too lazy to get out of your seat, <laughs> or if you're a millennial that doesn't know how to use cash or, or write a check, uh, you'll be able to, we're going to have, I, for everybody that was at the KU game, they did the texting deal where you could right. text, uh, uh, a code in and then be able to give that way. We're going to have that option. Um, we're going to have card readers at the game too. If you want to slide, you know, swipe your credit card, we'll, we'll be able to do that. And then you can always go to rallyforryan.org and uh, click the donate button and give that way. So uh, if you got money hidden somewhere, uh, we'll take it. We'll take if you want to give us stock options, we'll figure that out too. Uh, whatever. Well, yeah, we'll find a way.
0: No doubt, you've fully made the transition to being a fundraiser, then, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said
2: the first thing they told me when I came over here is that you, you can't be scared to make the ad Ask. and so uh i'm gonna be making a lot to ask a lot on saturday
0: <laughs> all right well brad appreciate it look forward to seeing you and your family on uh on saturday and, and we'll catch up then all
2: right guys really appreciate you having me on
1: thanks brad
0: all right have a good one all right guys
2: all right you get to come back mitchell congrats <laughs> thank you if he gets rid of you, you and you we'll start our own podcast
0: <laughs>
1: yeah that's right <laughs> excellent
0: all right i'll listen Talk to you guys later have Bye. a good one brad Luce, former missouri assistant basketball coach now uh fundraiser for the tiger scholarship fund and like it, it, sometimes it gets a little cliche to say this, but I think it's great Missouri does this once every year to kind of remind people, like, I mean, it's just a damn basketball game. You know, This, uh, this. she was five, I think, when she got diagnosed. Ryan is seven now. Great that she is doing well. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to be doing this around a team that, like the last couple of years, 10,000 people have shown up for the game, but it really wasn't for the game. Now – this place should be packed on Saturday.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know, like you said, I mean, if, if that many people want to show up for uh, for the Kentucky game, it was a great game. But this is this is something else entirely. Like uh, with the uh, the scrimmage before the season to benefit hurricane relief. This is a great cause, even nearer and dearer to Columbia and Mizzou with uh, with Brad being involved. So
0: yeah, and uh, you know, truly one of the good guys. Uh, hopefully, you'll like. Maybe don't listen to his speech at halftime because seriously, it's like. It's hard to go back and, like, focus on what you're doing in the second half after after he does that and takes his kids out there and stuff. But a family that, that really the Mizzou fan base has embraced and uh, a lot of good things happened in there. So, like, it is our job still to talk about the actual team. And all of a sudden
1: this is a team, are we ready to say it's disappointing if they're not in the tournament? I would say so, yeah. I mean, like, I, certainly, uh, you know, when, when Michael Porter goes out and if you had then learned that, you know, Blake Harris would transfer. Terrence right. Phillips would be gone. You would think, no way. But right now, I mean, they are, they're they're hot. They've won three in a row. Um, and the schedule's pretty manageable. I yeah. mean, you know, Mississippi State at home, it, aside from Rally and aside, that should be a winnable game. Yes. Um, and and really, after that, they got to go probably, what, 500 the rest of the way, and they should have a good chance. So, you know, you, you never take anything for granted in the SEC, obviously. You know, this team has shown that sometimes uh, it can it can have be prone to offensive lapses that that can lead to losses but at this point uh with I think what Lenardi hasn't like an eight seed right now I you think would think right. that you would think that there are a few losses clear of the bubble
0: yeah and realistically what that Mississippi what that old Miss win did for him all they got to do is win the home game right like you win the four home games you got left. You're going in. Oh, by the way, there's a road game out there at Vanderbilt that shouldn't really be all that tough. So even if you do manage to drop one at home, you could make up for it. They got to get four more wins the rest of the season probably to be a tournament team. And all right, so to me, one of the most intriguing things in this league. I mean, it's nuts. They're a game out of third, Mm -hmm. two games out of second, and I think maybe two games out of 13. Right. So a lot to be determined, but. To me, right now, it's a three-horse race for the coach of the year. You got Conzo Martin, Rick Barnes, and Bruce Pearl. Right. Now, to me, the team that finishes highest in the standings of those three, that coach probably wins it. But Unless you're worried about federal investigations. Right. <laughs> well, we're just a, not human being of the year. <laughs> not uh, not rule follower of the year, but coach of the year. If I had a vote today, I'd give it to Bruce
1: Pearl. What about you? Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, Auburn has... But they have absolutely no basketball tradition since right. like Charles Barkley. Charles, they haven't been—you know—they haven't been uh, in a tournament in 15 years. Right. So to go, not only you know, be in position for the tournament but be like—I know they lost last night—but a, a potential yeah. like two or three seed. Yeah. That's—I uh, mean, yeah—that's incredible. Um, and and they're also I like. They're good. They're talented, but they're they're like extremely undersized. I don't really know how yes. they've they've played their way, you know, through the league this successfully. Um, so It's yeah, almost a little like give. watching a Mike Anderson team. Right. Yeah, like, no, I would agree. Uh, they just
0: play at this crazy pace and they're super athletic and I I think Tennessee's going to win the league though. Cuz like Auburn stubbed its toe last night. I still just can't quite buy that Auburn is this good. I, I think agree. Tennessee's going to win.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a pretty clear br- blueprint to beat Auburn, which which A&M kind of showed. I mean, if you can if you can pound the ball inside with any kind of success, you can beat them. I don't I'm honestly not confident in picking a winner yet. It's just yeah. that much I mean like I still think Kentucky's the most talented team. Like it, it yeah. you know, they're they've got issues what? that at this point are poss- quite possibly too deep to figure out. But like if for some reason it all comes together like that twenty fourteen team that, you know, went to the national championship as an eight seed, like it's very possible for them to win the SEC tournament. But Uh, Yeah, league regular season, I I would agree. I'd say most likely Tennessee. Auburn, I wouldn't count them out, but if I had to pick one right now, I'd say Tennessee.
0: Well, because Kentucky and Florida are those teams to me where I keep saying they should be better than this, Mm -hmm. but we're two-thirds of the way through the season and they're not better than this. So I'm not sure I can buy into them. But uh, Mizzou hosts Mississippi State on Saturday. They host A&M next Tuesday. And then I believe they're at At LSU. LSU. Like this could be – in 10 days we could be talking about – they They can lose out and make the tournament. I mean, this yeah. could be a tournament lock ten days from now.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty manageable stretch. I mean, certainly if they you know you would think they should be able to win two or three um, there, yeah. and that would be uh, that would put them in pretty good position. So we'll see, yeah, don't definitely you know you don't you don't want to have to go into go into a game with Arkansas at the end of the season with the right. chance for them to somewhat spoil uh spoil a tournament yes. bid. so
0: yes, uh, so okay. It's been 24 minutes of, like, good news and happy feelings and all that. And, uh, yeah, signing day was yesterday. Correct. And, look, I don't want to pile on um, because I have told Missouri fans this for years. Like, if you want a team who's going to recruit top 15 classes and win the first Wednesday in February, you've got to go follow another team. It's not Barry Odom. It wasn't Gary Pinkle. There is a ceiling to where you can recruit at Missouri. I think that ceiling, though, is significantly higher than Missouri has done the last couple of years.
1: I would agree, especially, I mean, you know, everyone makes a big deal of the in-state talent, but when it's there like it was this year, I mean, it, it was really there. Um, you know, that Tiger 10 wasn't a joke. There was there were some really good players in that group. So it's like you can't expect them every year to go out and, and get, you know, you know eight to ten, four- and five-star players or whatever, or even five to six. But right. this year you maybe could have because they they were all there on that visit. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's just I think that's what's made it a little bit harder for fans to stomach this year is just the fact that the staff did obviously put a heavy emphasis on that group and and to get one of them does hurt.
0: And, and I think the disappointing thing to Missouri fans is you're not hardly ever going to have a top 20 recruiting class. Mm-hmm. If you're ever going to, mm-hmm. this was the year exactly. and for any reason. And there are reasons for all of them and whatever excuses, reasons, call them whatever you want. But ultimately to me it came down to what Andy Hill said it came down to yesterday. We started 1 and 5 and they all quit paying attention to us. I mean, you can't do you can't come out of the gate and it wasn't just 1 and 5, it was they don't belong on the field 1 and 5. The one win was uh, it didn't even feel like a win because you gave up forty three points to Missouri State. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I mean what especially well the, the early signing period was new this season, so recruits were hearing it from, from coaches a lot sooner, um you know, getting pressure to uh to commit. And honestly, at that point, I mean, who even thought Gary, or, uh, Barry, Barry Odom would be around? You know, right. at this point, I, I honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, after after that uh, Purdue loss and Auburn loss, if he had been gone, so you know, if I'm a recruit, I'd be, I'd be wary. And and you know, that's about the time. A lot of recruits, if not committing, are, you know, releasing their top three, top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah, that killed and
0: I had somebody actually tell me yesterday that the early signing period probably saved Missouri this year because without right. it, they probably don't hang on to Jatorian Hansford, to yeah. Trajan Jeff mm-hmm. to some of these other guys that they managed to get in early. Um so look, it does have to be better because when I'm I, I am not a slave to rankings. I don't believe that Agreed. that they are a gospel. However, If you recruit in the 40s and you are the 13th ranked recruiting class in the SEC, you are not winning big. You can win seven games, but you are not going to take three classes in the 40s and go beat Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and South Carolina and then, you know, whoever you're facing out of the West. I mean, it's not a recipe for it to happen. So that's why this year becomes so big for Barry Odom. I've said it, like, He's got to go win eight games because next year is probably a step back. Agreed. If you've gone out and won eight games, you can take a little step back. If you go six and six this year, and then you take a step back next year, I think we all know the discussion we're having.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he yeah, he has a chance to buy himself job security with yeah. with Drew Locke coming back. I mean, you know, they, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. You know, it's tough because they have two losses somewhat built into their schedule playing yes. georgia and alabama you know obviously those two teams just it faced would be off a shock the if they title. win either of them. exactly so then you look at some of the swing games and i mean in the in the sec you know you got a lot of teams with with a lot of potential um and it's, it's tough to know exactly where they're going to wind up but you could you could easily see this team you know losing a couple of close games to say like you know florida south carolina tennessee and then yeah you're you're six and six seven and five and then you lose drew Locke, and then you know, yeah. there's just no confidence. Moving I mean, forward.
0: you're you're at South Carolina, you're at Purdue, you're at Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, like those are games you could win, mm-hmm. but none of them are surefire wins. I think Kentucky's beaten them four years in a row now, yeah. so you know, I mean, it, it's a it's a big season, no question for Missouri. And I, signing day is what it is; it's over. I I don't tend to put a whole lot of stock in their job. Is quite simple. If they're not going to get the guys in state. They've got to go get guys that end up being better from out of state. And I posted this on our message board yesterday. They had a recruiting class in 2006 where they had Jeremy Macklin, who was a four star. But then uh, they had four other NFL players in that class who were all two and three stars. Mm -hmm. Denario Alexander. um, I'm drawing a. Sean Weatherspoon. Sean Weatherspoon was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Tim Barnes Mm -hmm. and uh, Kevin Rutland. Mm -hmm. They all played in the NFL and they were all three stars or lower. They had guys like Jared Perry, Tommy Chavis in that class, uh, Castine Bridges, Pig Brown. So they took a lot of guys that weren't supposed to be that good and mm-hmm. made them better than they were supposed to be. So that's what Barry Odom's got to do. Now the mm-hmm. problem is when those guys are ready to make those contributions in year two and year three, Gary Pinkle at that time had Chase Daniel on campus. Great point. I don't know that Barry Odom has Chase Daniel waiting behind Drew Locke.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously we've heard some good things about Lindsey Scott, but I, it's it's impossible to know yet. I, you know, certainly don't f- quite foresee him being a uh, Heisman, <laughs> Heisman I mean, favorite. I, I,
0: I mean, it's fair to say, because, like, people ask me all the time, who's the next Jeremy Macklin, who's yeah. the next Chase Daniel? Like, like you didn't it, have one for 100 there, years. One Why are you yeah. going to have another one?
1: Yeah, no, to your point about, you know, getting recruits they can develop, I had a couple coaches mention yesterday um, that one thing they, they kind of focused on in this class was – Uh, just you know raw like uh, things you can't teach like size speed etc with the idea of these players haven't put it all together yet but you know after a few years could develop into a good core but exactly I mean you know you're not going to win the SEC East without a really dynamic quarterback and I you know haven't seen uh, that they have that on this roster yet, obviously
0: beyond like beyond I, I Drew think Lock. Drew yeah. is, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: beyond. Sorry, Drew. you know, when, yeah. once those guys develop, yes, right. correct.
0: So, and the the final point that I'll make, and somebody made this to me yesterday, and I agree, the two most important recruits Barry Odom signed this year were Terry Beckner and Drew Lock. Yeah, like absolutely. getting those guys to. I I, I said if Drew Lock goes pro, that's it. He's not mm-hmm. making it here. Yeah, you know, I those were the two most important.
1: Yeah, he's given himself a chance to, to, you know, win eight or nine games, maybe go to a New Year's Six Bowl and, and buy himself a couple of years to develop this class into into a team that, that can win, you know, seven games consistently, six, seven games consistently.
0: I, I feel like at the end of next year, I've got to know Barry Odom's the guy that can get this done for the next five years. Absolutely. If I don't know at the end of next year, I, I'm real nervous if I'm Jim Sturck.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: So uh, there you go, guys. Half an hour, we hit it, like, right on the head. So we'll spend a couple minutes, like – Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're on our site, you've been around, you've actually seen Mitchell's name a couple times, but Mitchell is now joining us full-time. He's going to cover football, going to cover basketball, going to pitch in on recruiting, mm-hmm. do a little bit of everything for us. Sean Williams is still in charge of football recruiting. Keegan Pope's around doing doing hoops recruiting covering basketball. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I think <laughs> I'm just going to – maybe I'll, like, retire and just collect a check. Uh, we need your guidance. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> ever said that, seriously. But – um. So, I mean, you'll you'll at least commit to being back next week on the podcast, right? We've got you at least for seven more days? I think
1: so. As long as the people will have me, hopefully my debut went okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So, thanks for listening. We will be back next Thursday, be the heart of basketball season. We're going to try to get Brian Smith on, the wrestling coach here, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe catch up with Austin Carter-Samuels, the, the new recruiting director. So, we'll try to make some of those things happen over the next couple of weeks. And then, uh, I don't know, I think a week from now, we're going to be able to come on and say – hey, where are we going in the NCAA tournament? That would be exciting. Yeah, it's been a minute. So uh, thanks for listening for Mitchell, and thanks to Brad Luce. uh, Gabe DeArmond here, and we'll be back seven days from now.